and for our maturing so that we can grow up, which is, seems like that's one of the hardest things to do in life is to grow up. And this, that's what this man and woman is all about. Uh, we appreciate I love you, Pastor. Uh, you're the best minister of the gospel I've ever known. And um, this is Pastor Kevin. I got a message this morning that God has been, been sharing me. I think it's going to be a key to some things. Um, I was in prayer this week and just putting things together. And uh, I came up with three things just off the top of my head, three uh, uh, illustrations. And when I went back and looked at my notes, it seemed like there were three different steps uh, to an answer, to an end of the thing. The title of my message this morning going to sound kind of unusual, but it, it, I think it's hitting the nerve of what we need today in the church and what we need uh, to be as Christians. So this is an important message as far as I'm concerned, one, probably the one of the port, most important messages you may hear this year. This is how, how I see it, because it has to do with our receiving, not what God has, is, is, is giving out. Some people think God holds things back. God holds nothing back. But he pours out in such a way that we, we need to be receptive of what he pours out. So the title of my message this morning is Expanding Our Capacity for Blessings. Expanding our capacity. That's the, that's the key words there, expanding our capacity. Uh, I, I said for blessings, but actually expanding our, our capacity for the Spirit of God. Expanding our capacity to receive his anointing. Expanding our capacity to receive his, his uh, uh, prosperity. You realize people could be prospering today, even in, a, in an economic downfall, they could be prospering today simply by listening to God if they could get their stewardship correctly, if they can make the adjustments in their life. The reason God can't pour out to a lot of people that he wants to is because of them, not because of him. Amen. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share something. Is that okay? Is that sound all right? Uh, pretty good? Good, because that's what I have prepared this morning. <laughs> but, uh, to, and I'm going to give you some practical things. I'm going to show you some Bible examples first, because let me tell you, I, I've said this for years. Show me this. Show me in here, and I'll believe it. I hear preachers talk all the time. Everybody talk, People talk all the time. Say all kinds of, have all kinds of ideas about God. But here, show me in the book. Show me the book and show me what God's word is. That's what I believe. I started out in the kingdom that way. And I knew from, from infancy, in the spiritual infancy, that this was, the, the book was, needs to settle all arguments. This is the thing that uh, we need to focus on is God's word this morning. So praise God. Uh, our blessings and our, and our provisions from God are being limited by our capacity to believe and receive. Two things together. Uh, people say, well, I believe, but have you received? I understand something about the word believing. Believing doesn't necessarily uh, demonstrate who you are. Uh, you can say you believe. I believe in Christ. So does the devil. Doesn't, it, your believing alone does not express your uh, relationship with God, but it simply uh, states, well, I have a mental ascension towards you. Yeah, I believe Jesus is a real person. Yes, and, and therefore, that's enough. But then if it's enough, then how come you're not living the victorious life that he promised? In that, there has to be more. This is how I came up through, through, through the through church. Uh, I started out in religion and, and basically found out one day after serving God for a number of years, found out one day this isn't enough. So it's got to be something more because I'm reading in the Bible all these wonderful things are happening to the patriarchs and the different people in the Bible, and I'm not experiencing any of these things. 
Where's the joy, the peace, the love, long-suffering, the, the fruits of the Spirit? The fruits of the Spirit should be, should be evident that the Spirit of God is in us and operating and working. And I got dissatisfied with my life, not with what God has promised, but with my life. And I realized in an early stage that I could do something about it. It wasn't God's failure to get things to me. It was my failure to learn how to receive and to go through some things so I could grow up and mature. Because I also noticed this, our maturity level also dictates how much God can bless us. So if we refuse to grow, it's like, well, you know, if you're parents, you know this with your kids, right? I mean, are you going to give your kid a deadly weapon at three years old? I don't think so. Uh, not if you're smart, but the fact is, so, why? Because there has to be a growing and a maturity to handle certain things. Uh, I, I know every parent's nerve. it was me, I was nervous also when my uh, uh, teenage uh, son and daughter, when they got old enough, uh, started to learn how to drive. I wanted to send out all points bulletin to people who are walking the streets, you know, to, <laughs> to, to kind of watch out for these uh, two crazy teenagers that are just learning. Amen. But it be, they became of age according to the state of Florida. They became the age they could get a driver's license. But we had to wait for that time. I couldn't get my son behind the wheel at eight years old. Okay. Not in, in, in not have anything serious happen. <laughs> Damages anyway. So praise the Lord. Uh, I remember he did one one time before he had a driver's license. My wife and I were away. The kids were older. Uh, and he decided to uh, lift my keys um, to my brand new uh, Chevy Blazer sitting in the driveway and decided to cruise around the neighborhood and knocked over the neighbor's mailbox, put a crease down the hood, and uh, didn't want to tell me. Hallelujah. But how many know dads have a way of finding out? Oh, yeah. And, and uh, praise the Lord. But anyway, so, so these, are, these are issues of maturing, but there's also ideas. Beside maturing, it's not just about maturing. Uh, I know uh, more mature Christians. I know ministers that are mature and serve God for, for many years. And still, they will, they will admit, if they can get them to admit, that there's still more that they can receive from God. It never stops. It never stops. I, I thought when I first got into ministry, how can I preach a sermon? I use it a couple of times a week. How can I preach something fresh a couple of times a week? I don't know much about the Bible. But you see, God began to show me. He said, it's, it's, you, you, you study to show yourself approved, rightly dividing the word of truth. He said, when you do that, he said, now God can also give you revelation. Here I'm into this over 33 years and basically never run dry. How can that be possible? Well, it cannot be possible without growth and without God changing some things in your life and changing who you are and some ideas. Okay, so, so basically, uh, and giving you revelation. One thing religion doesn't, doesn't handle very well, it's revelation from the word. They see the scriptures. You can read the words. We can, we can sit down and verse for verse, and we can debate, and we can look at these things, but they can't seem to get the revelation that God wants to reveal something in that that's practical for your life. How many say amen? Yes, amen. Okay, praise the Lord. You hear me this morning? Am I just talking? Okay, praise the Lord. You, you, can, you can shout amen in this church. I won't, I'm not nervous. Praise the Lord. And I'm not intimidated. Praise the Lord. Anyway, so I came up with three things that limit our capacity, and I use the word capacity because this is what I see. I believe that everybody uh, that's listening to this message has a capacity of what they can receive. How many know the Bible tells us right from the beginning of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that we're supposed to be what? Filled. Not half filled, not quarter filled. Wait a minute. I have one person answer me. Let me repeat that question. Okay. 
How many know from the time that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts, how many know what the Holy Spirit was supposed to do for us? What is it that is supposed to happen to us? We're supposed to be? There you go. That's better. Hallelujah. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Not half full, not quarter full, not, well, I got a touch from God. I I felt a little spurt from heaven. Uh Uh-uh, it wasn't a spurt. Amen. Basically, he says, no, we're supposed to be filled. Well, let me tell you something. If you filled up a, a, a glass, how much, how much water, let's just say water, how much water can you put in a glass? You would say to me, well, what's the size of the glass? I mean, you could have a glass with one ounce like this. You could have a glass like this is 16 ounces. You have a glass like this is 12 ounces. So how much, how much water can you pour into a one ounce glass? One ounce. How many can you put into an 18 inch glass? Uh, 18 ounce glass, 16 ounce, 12 ounce. So all I have to do to get more of what I need is have a bigger container. Okay, I saw a couple of lights come on. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. It's, 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 it's going to be good. Amen. <laughs> you're, you're hanging on my every word this morning, waiting for the next thing I say, correct? Yes, I'll confess that, believe you, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Anyway, let me give you some Bible examples, but I see some examples, and, 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 and I'll, I'll lay them out in a minute, but I want to go to the first uh, scripture this morning, 2 Samuel chapter 9, uh, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 9. This is a story about uh, Mephibosheth. How many remember Mephibosheth? This, is, this has been preached and preached and preached. Uh, this is this poor guy who had the wrong idea. So basically, God had a blessing for him that he was passing through David to get to Mephibosheth. We, we, we focus on David, we focus on Jonathan, we focus on Saul, because those are the three main characters besides Mephibosheth that all affected Mephibosheth's life. But what happened was because of an idea that Saul had planned. Now, I don't understand this. Where was Jonathan? Jonathan was Mephibosheth's father. So where was Jonathan to correct these bad ideas? Evidently, Mephibosheth listened to his caregiver who was taking care of him. That's the one who tripped and dropped him, and he was lame. If you look, read the story, uh, that he was uh, made lame because they were fleeing from David's, from David's men. Thinking that David was out to kill him, David was not out to kill any of his Saul's family. Matter of fact, David was the one that was fleeing, and Saul was the one trying to kill him before he became king. Then Jonathan and, 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 and Saul were both killed uh, at the Battle of Gilboa, and basically uh, uh, their, 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 their bodies, they were beheaded, and their bodies were hung in the gates of Bet-Shon. There's a, uh, an Israel site there. That, uh, I've been there a couple different times. But the fact is, is that it was the end. And that's how David moved into his kingship at the death of John, uh, Saul and Jonathan. But Mephibosheth was given this idea. He was given the idea that, listen, David's become king you're toast. He's going to look for all of Saul's family and kill them so there's no threat to his throne. The thing is, they were using the philosophy that Saul was using, not the philosophy that David had. They were living by Saul's uh, pack of lies and insecurities and not understanding David. And that misunderstanding was robbing Mephibosheth of what God wanted wanted him to have. I'm going to say it again, that misunderstanding like we have today, misunderstandings about God, about his word, about a lot of things, are robbing us from the blessings that God wants us to have. Yes, sir. Can I hear an amen? amen. Praise the Lord. 
Amen? But this is, this is what it is. So if you understand the story, we, we like to take the story and say, well, poor Mephibosheth is like us as a poor sinner, and he comes to the table of David, and he comes to the king, just like we're going to go to the throne. That's nice, but let me go back to the capacity thing. And it's good preaching. I preach it that way, too. It's good preaching. But let me, let me bring it back to, to, the, to, the, to, the, to the story. Let's get down to the story and give you some details you might have not had before. Because in these details are keys to Mephibosheth's uh, uh, end result. Anyway, 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 4. So the king said to him, talking now. Now the king is talking to his men. Here's, let me give you a little background before I get to this verse. The background is, okay, David now becomes king. He remembers the covenant that he had with Jonathan, not with Saul, but David had a covenant, a blood covenant that he made with, with Saul, uh, with, uh, with, uh, with Jonathan, that included Mephibosheth. Now, here's, let me give you some background real quick about blood covenant. When a covenant is made between two Hebrew individuals in that day, uh, they would sacrifice an animal, they would put the blood on the ground, they would pace through the blood on the ground, and they would swear an oath to each other, and each other's strength became their strength. And they would, they would come together for different reasons. Uh, uh, one had uh, a military power, maybe the other had money, and they put the two of them together, and they, and they made one strong uh, bond between them. But a blood covenant was never broken. If anybody broke a blood covenant, the person who was violated or, 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 or uh, canceled out would never have to do anything. Their own family would hunt them down and kill them. Because it would bring a curse upon their family if anybody broke covenant. Understand something. This is how serious God looks at our covenant with him. Through the blood of Jesus. Not through the blood of bulls and goats and, 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 and men's oaths and what they come up with. But what God has put in his word. You have a Bible and in that Bible you have what's called the Old Testament and the New Testament. The word testament is exactly the same word covenant. So that's what it's talking about, our covenant. Melchizedek had access to a covenant that he never knew about. Now, here's the thing. When, the, when one of the parties who made the covenant uh, uh, was killed, then what happens, the person who was alive went to that person who, uh, uh, who was descendant, direct descendant of the person, and they were offered the same terms. In other words, it was David and Jonathan. Jonathan was killed. So here's what uh, David would offer Mephibosheth. Everything that I have in the palace becomes yours, and everything that you have becomes mine. So basically, we're in agreement, and we own. So, but Mephibosheth was hiding out in Lodabar. I'll get to that one in a minute, because the, the, the Hebrew names have meanings. I'm going to share this. This stuff is, is really cool when you find out. He, he's in a borrowed house, uh, you know, in, 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 in a place called Lodabar. So basically, uh, so, so he's poor. He's, the, he's trying to hide from David. And David's trying to track him down, not to harm him, but track him down to bless him. Let me stop here for a minute because that's exactly what God is trying to do with his people. If you've been taught wrong that God is out there to punish you, uh, you know, unless you do this, then basically they're trying to apply the old covenant law, and God isn't because through Christ he's trying to bless us. If you read uh, Deuteronomy chapter 28, you can read about the blessings and the cursings of the law. Very, very plain there. But then flip over to the new covenant, the New Testament, in Galatians 3.13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made curse for us, that the blessings of Abraham can come upon the Gentile. So God is trying to give us these blessings through Christ, through believers in Christ, 
who want to come. And we're trying to run the other way, thinking, oh, God is just asking hard things, man. Got to go to church every Sunday. Got to do this. Like, church is the worst thing that's ever happened to you. I'd rather go to church and have a bill collector knocking on my door. I'd rather go to church and have an audit from the IRS. I'd rather go, come on. I'd rather go to church and wake up the next morning with a hangover. I'd rather be in church. It feels better. It, it, it adds to life. So why is this idea about church so Well, maybe because they've been in the wrong churches. Anybody here feel that way about this church? Get out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Can't. We locked the doors. No, I'm very so Lord. Can't. But anyway, so but this is what, what we like. How many have an image of Christ trying to run after us, using all his angelic force to try to get blessings to us? <laughs> sure you are <laughs> no we're trying to get something out of God well I don't know why he doesn't bless me how come I'm going through this you know that's how we look at it and we've got the wrong idea that wrong idea is shrinking your capacity can I say it again the wrong idea is shrinking your capacity for reception I'm going to talk about how to expand that capacity. So let's say you're, you're one of these gla three glasses I mentioned, but you just feel like a little one-ounce shot glass, or two-ounce, whatever they are. It's going to be a long time. I don't know. But, but whatever. You're just this little bitty thing, and just as long as you can get filled to the brim, well, that's my, that's my just do. I guess this is, I'll just humbly walk with my little shot glass. You can. I'm looking for a 55-gallon drum. So you walk around with your little shot glass, I'm going to get my 55-gallon drum because anything God has, I want more of it. Because I know what Kevin Kerr can do. I know what I can do on my own, but I need to tap into something that's stronger. Let me get back to Melphibosheth before I preach away this whole message. But the fact is, it's the way. So Melphibosheth, oh, let me say one thing about Melphibosheth. Does anybody know what his name means? Hebrew names have definite meanings. I don't know what Jonathan... And Mephibosheth's mother was thinking when they named this dude. How many have a name that maybe, that you, what was my mother thinking? <laughs> no, I don't. I, I got a good name. How many think they have a good name? Okay, well, if you didn't have a good name, you know, what, what if they give you some kind of weird name? What if you were called Mephibosheth? What the heck is a Mephibosheth? Can you spell it? Can you imagine a kindergarten kid going into kindergarten? And say, okay, and you have to write your first name for the very first time. What's your name? Mephibosheth. Okay, bring a note from your mother so we can know how to spell it. <laughs> but what it means, it means it's a Hebrew name. What it means in the Hebrew is out of my mouth, listen to this, out of my mouth is a long name. Out of my mouth proceeds reproach, which means disapproval and disappointment. So here we got a child. There we go. Oh, I'm so proud of my newborn son. I'm going to, I think I'll pick a name for him. Of course, back in the ancient times, a lot of times the mothers picked the names. Remember, uh, if you remember, Jacob uh, uh, changed the name of, um, of Benjamin because she was going to call him Ben and I. That means misery and pain. That means, no, Benjamin. It's going to be Benjamin. Benjamin, you know, you know, uh, son of my right hand is what it meant. But anyway, Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth, out of my mouth proceeds reproach. Out of my mouth, I love that I underline, let me give you the definition of the word reproach. Reproach means disapproval or disappointment. So out of my mouth is nothing but disappointment. Out of my mouth is nothing but disapproval. Out of my mouth is nothing but, pro that's what my name means. Of course, I have a name, my name is Kevin. 
And I like my name. My mom named me right. My mom and dad, I guess, named me, and, 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 and they named me Kevin. And Kevin means kind. So you want to make something of it? <laughs> What's your name mean? Huh? Anyway, praise the Lord. Uh, uh, that's what they told me. Anyway, I don't think that's what it means, but that's what they told me. So I'm going with that. <laughs> Hallelujah. Want to make something of it? No, I'm just kidding. But, but here's a, so let me get back to 2 Samuel verse nine and, uh, or chapter 9, verse 4. It says, so the king said to him, where is he? King David was, was talking to, to Ziba. Ziba was his top man who was in charge, military man in charge, looking for Meshibbethah, like he was hunted or wanted. This is what Mephibosheth thought. Man, they're out to get me. So I'm going to hide out in a place called Lodabar. Because this is what Ziba said. Ziba said, said to the king, he said, indeed, he is in the house of Mechur. He said, and he said, in the, and he said, he's in Lodabar. So basically, he's in somebody else's house. He's not in his own house. He's in somebody else's house, and he's in Lodabar. Now, if you know anything about Lodabar, Lodabar uh, has a neat meaning of the name also, but this is a place, not a person. Lodabar meaning means, are you ready for this? Without pastures. Now, when you see a place in Israel that is named without pastures, what comes to mind right away, knowing the Middle East? You're either going to have lush green pastures to feed all your flocks and, and, and to prosper very well, or you're not. <laughs> and when you're not, you're going to have what? You're going to have a dry place, either rock or sand. It's going to be a desolate, desolate place. This is, uh, this is, I'm glad the Bible says it this way. God shows us something really significant here, because what happens, as long as we're running from the blessings of God, we are destined to Lodabar. We are destined to dry, arid, unfruitful places. I don't know what they did in Lodabar, uh, uh, but they didn't grow crops. And if they didn't grow crops, they didn't have livestock. So basically, they must have imported all their food and lived in this place. The Lord knows why. It was also east of Jordan. Isn't it amazing that a man who's a covenant, out of, uh, a descendant of the tribe of Benjamin, should live in such a place? He doesn't belong in Lodabar. He belongs in Jerusalem. He belongs in the land of, uh, of the Benjamins, my brother-in-law would say. But it's where he belongs. He doesn't belong there. But what else can he do? He cannot walk. He's invalid. He cannot walk. And he's fearing for his life. Thinking that somehow David is going to do something terrible to him to end his life. That what pitiful life that he has now is, is going to go away. When the opposite is true, how many know the opposite is true? So what are people running from God for? Do they feel that God is, is, is some kind of God of judgment that's going to strike them down? Because with that thought, our capacity to receive from God is shrinking and shrinking. How many have ever heard of a poor self-image? A poor self-image. I had one. Amen. I had one before, before met God. And then God says, with my poor, in, my, in my state of poor self-image, he says, you're going to preach the gospel. Uh-uh, not me. I, I get nervous and stutter if there's more than three people in the room. And, since, and, and to this day, I mean, I can go back over, over my career of 33 years, I've preached to different countries with thousands of people. Uh, and, and, and so it was, it was, and I was able to do that. Why? Because God poured in my vessel the, where I had a limited capacity. He showed me how to expand my vessel to receive even what I thought I could not do. So can I say this and put this in your notes, that your mind can shrink your vessel? 
Our thoughts and our self-image can shrink our vessel. Well, let me get on to this. I got a lot to give you uh, before I run out of time here. But, so, so he says, no, he's in Lodabar. He says, bring him to me. David says, this is the order. You go find him and you get him out of Lodabar and you bring him here to my palace in Jerusalem. Now, can you imagine what's going through the mind of Mephibosheth? Of course, you know the story. They, they, now, Ziba isn't going by himself. He's going with a team of men because basically what he has to do, he has to bring Mephibosheth back as royalty. He has to go after him, and he doesn't know he's royalty. He has to go, over, go out to him like he is, and treat him as royalty. In other words, Mephibosheth, because of David's orders, Mephibosheth has authority over Ziba, and he don't know it. <laughs> he's got authority over David's armies. Because all Mephibosheth, forget it, I'm not going. If, I'm in co- if he knew anything about the covenant, if I'm in covenant, I'm not taking that covenant of Jonathan's, and you can shove the whole thing, and David would say, okay, fine, let, let him go. Then he, he goes on with his life. I don't have to honor that covenant. But Mephibosheth never said that. All he's known is this is the end. All the way back to, to Jerusalem, all the way back to the palace, he's saying that David's going to kill him. The best thing I can do, let me cry out for mercy. When he saw David, he threw himself at his feet and he begged for, you know, begged, and, and, and he declared himself as David's servant, hoping to find favor. David said, I didn't come back here to punish you. He said, I, have a, I had a covenant with your father, Jonathan. He said, and because of Jonathan and my covenant, I'm offering the same thing to you. That means any land that you lost for whatever reason, foreclosures or whatever, you get back. It was a year of jubilee for this boy. <laughs> this man, I should say. Okay, but then he said, not only that, he said, Mephibosheth, you're going to sit at the king's table every day. There's a place for you in my palace. Can you imagine? Because this is, a, this is the same typology that God is looking at us. He's not looking at us for who we are and what we've done. He's looking at us to the blood of Jesus. Amen. And this is Jesus' royalty. Jesus is like King David says, come on to me, all you that are heavy and laden. Come on to me, all you that are fearful. Come on to me, all you that are troubled. Yes, amen, Pastor. And I'll give you peace. Why? Because of the covenant, the blood covenant between us and Christ. Thank you, Lord. So let me, let me label this as, as maybe a, a personality. Let me label it this way. Wrong beliefs. So basically, wrong beliefs was shrinking Mephibosheth's capacity. Are you ready for the second one? This one's pretty cool. I've t- preached on this several times. But this is really cool because we can actually see the vessels in this one because basically Elijah and the widow, you remember the, Elijah and the widow's oil? There was a wife of the prophets. The Bible says many scholars believe it was Obadiah's wife. If you remember Obadiah, Obadiah was a prophet who hid out the other prophets uh, against uh, uh, Jezebel and Ahab from being killed because Jezebel and Ahab were trying to kill off the true prophets of God and Obadiah hid them out in caves. But Obadiah, for some reason, when he died, he didn't have an inheritance for his wife or his children or his children's children the way the Bible said we should have. But anyway, so this woman was in dire need. Now, back in those days, if you owed a debt that you could not pay, they came to get what you had to offer, usually your sons. And she had sons. And they would be sworn into slavery until they worked that debt off until the debt was paid back. Of course, in the meantime, that's her only way of making uh, uh, income. Basically, they would have starved her out, and and, and basically the family would have wound up probably in slavery for the rest of their lives. 
the way some of these things can go. So she's deathly afraid. She calls a prophet. Elijah comes in. Uh, Elisha came in. And he says there, he says, he says um, okay, he says this. And this picks up in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 6. It says, now it came to pass when the vessels were full, she said unto her sons, bring me some more vessels. Well, what happened with the vessels? Well, the first before that happened is, is, is Elijah come in and says, okay, he says, he says, what do you have? She says, now this is what she says. I have nothing but a little bit of oil. Well, the little bit of oil is not nothing. What she had was a little bit of oil. How many of you, I don't have nothing. Man, I worked, and, how many ever said that? I worked and worked and worked and I don't have nothing. How'd you get here to church this morning? Drove in your car. You can thank the gas station for selling you gas to put in that car so you can get here this morning. So you got here on the gas that's in your car. Okay, you got here. So you had a car. So you're not that bad off, are you, so far? Well, I got a car with payments, but you still have a car that they haven't come and taken it from you. So basically, but you see how nothing can we, in our minds, we can say what we little we have is, becomes nothing. What little she had, the oil, the very key, listen to me, the very key that was going to unlock her blessings, she didn't even want to acknowledge that she had. And they always kept a little oil. You know what they kept a little oil for? Do you know what that little bit of oil was for? To bury her when she died. All I got is this burial oil. You use that. What am I going to use for burial? We're not worried about it. God is going to use that seed, that little bit of thing that you have, the little bit of thing that we have to give him. He's going to take that and he's going to multiply it beyond our measure. Yes, amen. So he says, then Elisha says to her, he says, give me all the vessels you can, not by a few. Lock yourself in the room with your son. And begin to pour that little tiny vial into this. And all of a sudden she's pouring and pouring and pouring and pouring and pouring. And all of a sudden it's filling up the first one. They, they shove, it, shove it aside. They bring another vessel. Pour and pour and pour and pour. Out of this little thing is coming. Pour and what she had given had multiplied so great. They filled up every vessel they could find, beg, borrow, or steal. Yes. Well, not steal, but <laughs> they weren't doing that. But everything had gone. And as soon as she said in 2 Kings 4, 6, bring me another vessel. She's now so blessed. We're looking for places to put God's blessings. Amen. Are you here? We don't know what to do with this stuff. Yes, so, so, and her son says, we don't have another vessel. We're all out of vessels. We went all around town. Now, if it were me, knowing what had just happened, I'd be out in the clay bank making something more. And it might be a little green, but here, it's kind of wet, but here was good. I, I, I'd be taking off my shoes. I'd be looking for my hats. I'd be filling up everything that could possibly hold oil. Why? Because this is what happens. God kept on pouring. Listen to me. He kept on pouring until she ran out of places to put it. When she ran out of places to put it, the oil ceased. It stopped. Hmm. This brings us to our second point. Hmm. Limited response. Limited response shrinks our capacity to receive what God has. A limited response to his word. A limited response to the offer of coming into the church and working in the house of the Lord. A limited response is shrinking your vessel. And as soon as you're filled up and run out of room, the flow stops. I learned this thing a while ago. I said, look, you know what? I'm going to keep on, I'm going to keep on finding empty vessels. <laughs> Man, when Covenant Word Church gets filled one way, we're going to look for something else. We're going to look for another, next, the next. 
I told my staff, I said, keep looking for the next, keep looking for the next. I remember the, 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 the online streaming became new to us. I said, we, let's get the best we can get. And then, then this, this week, this is what, four or five months into this thing, over about five months into this thing, we're still making improvements. And, and Jason looks at me and says, you're going to what? <laughs> I said, change it. We're going to do this, and we're going to make that. We're going to do all kinds of things. And I got people looking on the Internet. We're buying stuff and putting in new lighting. and all. Why? Make it better. Yes, sir. Why? We've got to keep bringing empty vessels in. Amen, and God will keep giving us the revelation, make it better and better and better. i got to share this story real quick. We had brand-new stage lighting put in. Just, we had two light fixtures put in. Sheree went online and ordered it. Okay. This is a track, if you, you can't see it on the camera, but there's, on the ceiling there's a track, and it's really track lighting. But when Saray ordered that, she didn't know what it was. So when I'm, she says, well, I got the stage lighting, we're going to put it, so I'm thinking, okay, another day we're going to work crew together, and we've got to make some brackets, I'm thinking about, I've got to weld some stuff up, or whatever, you know, make the thing. And so the other, just last night, they took the thing out of the box and looked at it, and says, oh, this goes into track lighting that we already have. Click. <laughs> And they think nothing of it. I'm at home and I get this text with a picture. We got it all already in, installed. What's the chances? Because a lot of times track and track lighting, okay, I know this from working in a trade, is proprietary to a company. She just all of a sudden got these unnamed boxes off the internet and just, oh yeah, it just plugs in. Okay, we're all set. <laughs> Tell me that's not God's blessing. That's how it works. I'm thinking another work day. I got to get some more materials. We got to do some stuff, on, you know, hang it from, the, you know, to get our lighting and stuff because they're trying. They say when I step over here, I get a shadow. But you don't get no shadow anymore because they fixed it. Yes, sir. All right, praise the Lord. Anyway, so I just thought that was, I said, well, you, you don't, you miss these little things. So I said, Sarah, I said, you did so good at those two. Order two more. <laughs> We get the place lit up. I mean, but this is what, and, and but it just plugged right into what was already there. They put it up last night. Uh, it just just little things like that we we overlook. We stop limiting the response to God. Now, Saray could have taken another attitude. Well, I got to order again. I'm always on the stupid. I'm always ordering something for the pastor. Always wants this done. Always wants that done. Guess what? Uh, oh yeah, I forgot to tell you. Saray also, she's a real estate agent. She just sold two houses this week. Tither in the house of the Lord, gives God his first fruits. Amen. Go ahead. Sit there and drool the rest of you wannabes. <laughs> she getting it done. Right? Not only that, one of the houses she sold was in the house. No, not mine. <laughs> Jason and Jennifer just bought their first house in the Keys, and Saray was a real estate agent. Yeah, all right. Good Pretty good. Then she sold another one right after that. All right. Amen. What was she found doing? Working in the house of the Lord. Yeah. Working in the house yeah. of the Lord. And I can go, I can say that story to all my staff. What they do, they work hard. Working in the house of the Lord, and God is blessing them back. Yeah. If you're not getting the blessings after you sowed into the house of the Lord, maybe you ought to look at your capacity. Amen. Maybe you're limited by limited response. How, what is the proper way of response? Well, I just shared one of them. Proper way of response is getting involved in the house of the Lord and helping us build this thing. Mm. Maybe the fact that we just sit and take and take and take and take and here and here and here, maybe that's limited our capacity. Just maybe. You take it before the Lord and see what you come up with. Amen. I got my ideas. You can have your ideas. But it's about your relationship with God, not mine. I got to take care of mine. You take care of yours. Are we here this morning? 
are you ready for the third one? Because <laughs> this one's going to knock off your socks. Amen? Here's the third. So let me, let me just review just real quick. So we have Mephibosheth, wrong beliefs. We've got the widow's uh, oil, the, the prophet's widow. We have limited response. She ran, out of, she ran out of places to put God's blessing. And now we have Peter and his breaking nets. <laughs> Do you remember the story? Luke chapter 5. Okay, uh, and Jesus said when he stopped speaking, they launched out into the deep. And, that's, uh, Simon, and, and he said to Simon Peter, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Now there's something wrong with that statement. Jesus is not a fisherman. Peter is. A net is only so deep. Basically, it has floats along the top of it. Sometimes they put the weights on the bottom of it. So the net hangs vertically in the water, floating on the top of the surface, and the net comes down. However big that net is, is the only depth that they can actually catch fish. Obviously, if they go too deep, because Jesus will launch out into the deep, if they go too deep, the fish can escape the net by swimming underneath. The weights on the bottom of the net have to hit the bottom. So if that net is only four foot and they try to, and they try to uh, uh, catch fish in five foot of water or six foot of water, it's going to look like this on the bottom and that's going to be here. You understand that? Yeah. What Jesus would ask him to do, it, it superseded all logic as a fisherman. All logic as a fisherman that day. Are you ready? So Peter had a half-hearted response to this thing. He was kind of doubtful this was going to work, wasn't he? Amen. Because it says in verse 5, it says, Peter, Simon answered him and said, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Why did they toil all night? Because nighttime was a time that you caught fish. Why? Limited visibility in the water, the fish can't see the net, easier to catch. But now when the sun's all bright and all the fish can see, they just swim away from it. They just go the other way. Unless they can close the net quick enough, they're not going to catch any fish. Now, if they're in the deep, now they got two things working against them. they got daylight, and they got the bottom of the net exposed. So there's two things working against them. This thing shouldn't work. How many of my leadership has said to me, that won't work, Pastor? But it's working today. Raise your hands. That's never happened in Covenant Word Church. Uh-huh, thank you. Well, that doesn't make sense. Right, Jim? Praise the Lord. <laughs> a computer can't do that. <laughs> all I'm telling you is what I see. And, you know, and, and oh, yeah, there is, but there is a way. Oh, yeah, there is a way. All of a sudden, the light comes on. What happened? We're just like Peter. We doubtfully are unprepared. The doubtful was the fact that he could catch fish along. Here's the unprepared part. Nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down the net. Not because I think it's a good idea. I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. I'm adding what Peter's thinking. Not because I think it's a good idea. Not because I think I can, I got time to waste and money to waste because it's going to take effort now. And my fishing business is going to put something that's a few, I know it's a few, but because it's you, Jesus, and because you asked me, I'm going to go ahead and do it. How many has ever approached the ministry that way? How many has ever approached the things of God? Well, okay. Well, pastor, okay, you asked me, you hear from God, it must be God, I'll just go ahead and do it. I, I don't know how this is going to work. I mean, I don't have time for this. I don't know where my, where's the money going to come from, pastor? Where's the money going to come from? <laughs> pastor Diane, hallelujah. Well, who's who's going to pay for all this? Are you here? How many Peters are in the house of the Lord right now? How many honest Peters are in the house of the Lord right now? Uh-huh. How's this going to work, Pastor? I can't see this working, Pastor. I don't know how this is going to work, Pastor. 
You're sitting right now in a building, you're sitting in a chair, and you're sitting in a place that many people, many, many, many people said was an impossibility. You'll never build that here on Stock Island. You'll never be able to do this. Nobody will ever, you'll never get help for the daycare. Nobody ever bring kids into the daycare. Nothing will ever happen. It will not happen. So welcome to the impossible, according to some people. What all I heard from God is, is you build it. You build it. Believe me for it. Watch what I can do with people who will release their faith. So I had to stretch and stretch and stretch to open up my capacity because this whole thing started out bigger than I could ever believe for. Not now. Now it seems like small potatoes, doesn't it? Shoot. Give me the next one. What else can we do? My wife says, oh, no, not again. <laughs> Don't say that. She used to have me in a car the other day. She says, stop saying that because when you say that, that's what happens. Because I was talking about, remember, the Sears went out of business down here. And that big building right there? Now, she brought it up. I didn't say it. I just walked back. Look, that whole big building is all empty. She said, yeah, make a nice church. I said, yes, it would. Don't you say that. She said, when you say it, it seems to happen. Said, what are we going to do with a big building like that? Said, it's huge. I said, well, the daycare can go in there. I said, maybe I can open up a Christian gym. A Christian scuba store? Dive, dive, dive shop? I mean, what, what, I mean what, what, all the possibilities are endless. It was a Sears building, a Sears department store. Went out of business, went belly up, Key West. The only one or two department stores that we have in this place. Oh, that's a big building. Just sitting there all empty. Skip, you know the building. Man, I wonder, you know, I wonder what they need for a monthly rent for that thing. <laughs> yeah, Skip, you keep writing because you're going to have to write those checks out also. Hallelujah. <laughs> Now let's see who your capacity is, huh? Praise the Lord. Oh, yeah, he's going to hit. Go for it, Pastor. We're right behind you. I see it. I see it. I see it. Yeah, go for it, Pastor. No, no, you're going to pay for it. <laughs> God's going to use you. That's okay. We got a real estate, we got a hot real estate agent that is, I mean, cooking and just selling, selling property, selling property like crazy. So that's right. Saray will write the check. If Saray can't check, Jeff Rice will write the check. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Got it covered. Yeah. What you got in the house? I got the Schneiders, I got the Rices, I got the Vosses. I mean, we, we're all set here. Not only that, Kimberly come back. We got Kimberly. Yeah. Oh. Hallelujah. And you know how those school teachers get paid. Pretty good. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Keep believing, keep believing. Keep your capacity up where it's supposed to be. Hallelujah. Don't, don't, say, don't say what you're thinking. Say what, is, what, what you, God can do. Amen? They got the net full. You know the story. And they begin to pull in the net. Listen to me real clear, because I don't hear too many people preaching about this. Peter's blessings were so great at the words of Christ that seemed to be so impossible that he had to recruit other people to help him haul in his blessing. There was too many fish. Not only that, he wasn't prepared with a second net. And he had so many fish, the fish had reached over the capacity of what the net could take because the Bible says that his nets were breaking. If your nets break, pull out another net. Start pulling in a second draw. Why not? All Christ says, he says, cast out into the deep and pull yourself fish. See, when he's fishing all night and not catching anything, there ain't no stupid fish in this lake. 
Hey, no fishing here. Now he wants me to go out deeper where we can't, where our nets are going to be exposed. And now you want me to, in broad daylight, you want me to catch fish. There's no fish in this like we fished all night long. How many have a list of impossibilities of why God can't bless you? Well, you know, he hasn't done this before. Well, he didn't do it to Peter before either. What happened all those other fishing days Peter went out there? How come Christ is, you know, whoosh, because you're such a great guy, Peter. Whoosh, and you have all the fish in, in the Sea of Galilee. Hmm. Why? It wasn't the time. It wasn't the time for him to release it. And Peter needed to expand his capacity to be an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he was going to become fisher of men. And they're tougher to catch the fish. Are you here? What happened? That miracle was preparing Peter for the next. Your lack is preparing you for the next blessing. Your shrinking capacity is preparing you for the next expansion. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Because it's, it's on the next that Christ has for us. It's on the next that God blesses us is where we're going to see the greatest. Amen. Peter's error was his words of doubt about God's ability to produce fish. He thought he knew more than God. How many think you know more than God about producing finances? How many think you know more than God of what he can do and what he can't do? Huh? If you listen to religion, you'll see the limits of God. Well, there is none, by the way, they have to be made up, because there is no limits to God. Amen? I heard a fellow say one time, he said, you ever see in outer space there's asteroids? An asteroid, if you could capture an asteroid, some of them are big as a planet, some are planet killers, if you could capture an asteroid, it's a, the, the, the dollar amount would be in the trillions of trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars. You know why? Because they're loaded with minerals like gold and, and silver and, 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 and platinum, different mi- minerals that, are, that make up an asteroid. I never knew this. I'm not a scientist. I don't know this. I just, I'm just repeating what I heard. But the fact is, he says, he says think about this. I got you. Do I have the picture of the asteroid? Can you see it? Think about this. He said, that's God's garbage. (laughs) That's his garbage. That's the stuff he's just thrown out of the way of heaven. (laughs) That's what he's discarded in heaven. An asteroid is a discard. That's God's garbage. I just blew your mind. I hope I increased your capacity. <laughs> and we're we're worried about the piddly stuff on this planet. Can I get enough money to pay my rent? You know, whatever it is. And God is throwing out platinum and going, it's just it's just garbage. He walks on the streets of gold. Read your Bible. He got pearly gates. Do you ever hear about the pearly gates? Well, you want to blow your mind? How big was that oyster? <laughs> to make them pearly gates. A year. We look at pearls and like in jewelry and stuff. It's like this big. It's this big. It's, that's about it. You stick it in a ring, put on a necklace, whatever you have to do with it. No, he got gates of pearl. That's one big oyster. <laughs> Praise the Lord, Amen. Now we need to start thinking bigger to increase our capacity. That's just one area. It's not just in your thinking, because what happens is you'll talk yourself out of your thinking. You got to experience it. We need to experience what God has. I'm going to share some things with you in a minute. Let me just say, give you this scripture here. 2 Corinthians, Paul picks up on this verse 9, uh, chapter 9, verse 8. And he says, God is able to make all grace abound to you that you 
always have all sufficient in all things and may abound in every good work. Here's the problem. All sufficient in all things has to do with you abounding in all good works. Maybe the works you're doing ain't just good. I, just a question, just a rhetorical question, don't get mad at me. But the fact is, what would be a good work for you to do? Because if the work was key to your expansion of all grace abound. Now, let me get to that word of grace, because here's, here's, where, here's where it all comes out. Well, you know, God's grace is unmerited favor. How many believe that God's grace is unmerited favor? There's a problem with that. I'm going to tell you right now. You would have to say that Jesus grew in unmerited favor. Because Luke chapter 2, verse 40 says this, the child grew, talking about Jesus, grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Can you say that Jesus Christ himself had unmerited favor deposited upon him? No, anybody who merited favor was Jesus. He's the only one that could merit favor with us to be unmerited favor. So I usually say this, I said, mercy is the word that we want to use for unmerited favor. That's where God gives us mercy. We deserve something worse, but God gives us mercy instead because it's undeserving. Amen? But grace is what, so what is grace? Grace is an empowerment. When Christ grew, God, when, when the child grew in the grace of God, God began to expand his capacity to walk here on this earth as a human being and walk and move and do things as a human being that were a supernatural discern. So he had to have the grace when the grace, when the natural and the supernatural collide into a person's life to bring out an outcome, grace. That is grace. When Paul said, when Paul came whining to God, he says, I got this messenger of Satan, come and buffet me. That means a strike over and over again. And he's up, a guy who was interrupting his meetings and stuff like this. And God said to him, he says, and I sought you three times and I didn't get no answer. God says, my grace is sufficient for you. In other words, if you have a demonic spirit that is cropped up and ready to move in, use my grace, the empowering presence, all based on your call, by the way, of what I told you to do. Apply that to that rat and watch him flee. It's pretty good preaching. It's better preaching I'm getting response to this morning. But that's okay. I'll go on. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. All promises of God in him are yea and amen. That's in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. In other words, God has already settled it. Amen, when he says yea and amen. Well, yea means yes. We know that one. But do you know what amen means? I'll, I'll give it to you out of the Greek. It means firm, trustworthy, surety, verily, being bound by an oath. I'll say that again. This is the definition of amen. It's not just the end of a prayer. But it means this. It means to be firm, trustworthy, are you trustworthy this morning? Because these are all areas that are going to expand your uh, capacity. Surely, uh, uh, surely, verily, being bound by an oath. Are you bound by an oath this morning? How about I just mention the covenant this morning? Are you bound by that covenant? Or are you just, you're just a free spirit wandering around? Free spirit wandering around with this much capacity. Where I could be bound by the Spirit of God, and that's not bondage like I'm talking about sin bondage. I'm bound by the Spirit of God. In other words, I have an obligation to God, and my capacity begins to grow like this. Now, now I have room for God's blessing. Some people don't have room for God. How are they going to have, ever have room for His blessings? How come they don't have time to, go, to, 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 to worship God with other believers at church, but they want Him to bless Him up and down every which way? How does that work? I don't know. Because their capacity, even if God just, just gives a little bit of spit right there, they probably won't be able to contain it. 
because their capacity has shrunk so small. Don't look at me like that. Praise the Lord. Amen? amen. Say amen or oh me, one or other, whichever fits. Okay, bottom line. Here, I'm going to give you the whole thing in a nutshell. You, okay? So you listened to all this this morning just to hear this point. Are you ready for it? Yes, sir. All right, come back next week. <laughs> you know I was going to do that. Yes. All right, praise the Lord. Anyway, three, way, three ways. Uh, uh, there's three, three ways, practical and easy, to do on a personal level that will open your lives to expand the capacity of your blessings. And here they are. How many want them? Yes. Okay. Number one, time in the Word. You knew that was coming. Praise the Lord, time in the Word. All right? Two, time with others who love to serve the Lord. And here's three, time in prayer. Can I share this with you? I picked this up. This was uh, James Ryle uh, made this quote. This is not mine, but I'm going to read it anyway because uh, I thought it really hit the mark for today. This is really, this is, uh, I, I, what I have, I have is daily devotional. And I picked this up, I forget which day it was, it, uh, daily devotional. Can I read this this morning just real quick? Okay, there's one enthusiasm. Do I hear any more enthusiasm this morning? Wait a minute, wait a minute, God's moving. Okay, got one back here. Is there any more enthusiasm this morning? Hello. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right, here it is. It says, and this is what, what James was saying. He said, he said, never read the Bible as a static soul, unmoved by its words and power. Never attend a fellowship of believers, detached and uninvolved. He says, for you, you'll miss the movement of for you will miss the movement of God if you do so. And never, there's three nevers here, never go to a place of prayer on oil, autopilot. I like that one. Reciting religious phrases, chanting incantations, and muttering monotone phrases. James Ryle. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So three nevers. Never read your Bible as a static soul. Static means stationary. You're always reading your Bible as somebody who wants to grow. Never just read it just to read it. Amen? And these, this, will, this will expand your capacity. Never attend a fellowship of believers detached. Let me say, say this first. Start attending a fellowship of believers because that's where, you get, that's where it begins to open up your capacity because that's where you see the need of the body of Christ. That's where you see the blessings of the body of Christ. And that's where you hear the testimonies like I just shared this morning about Saray. Saray is our official purchasing agent now because she can purchase stuff, don't even know what she's put purchasing, and it fits when she gets here. I don't know how she does it. I said, I said can you imagine you know the, the impossibility of that thing and it happened? I said, this, this is wonderful. Hallelujah. <laughs> Never attend a fellowship of believers detached and uninvolved. Never go to a place of prayer on autopilot. Man, don't. Not even at home. Don't even come here. Don't come in on autopilot. What I'm trying to do on, on, on Tuesdays and Saturday nights, mostly Saturday nights, because Saturday nights is when we come together to pray, uh, uh, to, to pray for the service today. And uh, I, last night I was praying, and, and I share some word, and I, I was praying last night, and, and the Lord just dropped to me. He says, he says, let the couples pray, he says, but let the women pray. And this is what I did. So I let the wives of the couples that were here as I pray, and I said, and said, okay, share this, pray for this, pray for that, pray for the other thing. And man, it took off, didn't it? It was an anointed prayer last night. Of course, then we, we always close out. We pray over the seats in the, in the sanctuary. Uh, what do we pray over the seats for? We pray over the seats that they have an anointing and that there's a removal of fear so people can come back to church. Uh, uh, the church is, this church has never been closed. Uh, uh, we're open for business. We're open for, for worship. But when we can get the people back into church 
instead of just viewing our live stream. I'm glad we had the live stream because I'm not only preaching to people locally, I'm preaching to people all over the, all over the place now. Uh, but the fact is, is, is we can come into, we can, we can do the things that God tells us to do, not forsake the assembly and gather ourselves, is even as you see the last day approaching. Is it some kind of coincidence? I don't think so. But is it some kind of coincidence that we see the last, how many see the last day approaching? Yes, sir. Uh, read a Bible if you don't. The last day is approaching, which is the coming of the Lord, is going to come for his back for his church. We see that. Isn't it amazing that as we see the last day approaching, all of a sudden this coronavirus comes out that shuts everybody in their house so they can violate that scripture it says in Hebrews? Forsake the assembly and gather yourselves? No, do not forsake the assembly. Even as you see the last day approaching, more so as you see the last day approaching, not less so, more so as you see it, and we're seeing less so. So the devil has got a weapon to combat the church to keep them from fulfilling that scripture because of fear of catching a virus. But we got one for him because basically we're reaching more people now with the gospel. We're still carrying out the commission of Christ uh, regardless. But people are suffering not only from viruses, people are suffering from keeping themselves in the house of the Lord because that now they're shrinking their capacity trying to get everything at home. And you won't find this on Amazon. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I may got something out of the word this morning. Amen. All right. Psalms 84, 11, write it down and, and memorize it. For the Lord your God is a sun and shield. That means he's light and he's protection. He's a sun and shield. The Lord will give you, will give grace and glory. Grace is the empowerment. Glory is a, is a marvel over triumph and victory. No good thing Listen to me, the rest of that verse, no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. No good thing will he withhold to them that, that, uh, uh, from them that walk uprightly. Understand something. God isn't a thief and he's not holding anything from you. Amen. Amen? And if you heard this message this morning in its entirety and you didn't flip flip to something else on YouTube or whatever, you listen to this whole thing in entirety. I guarantee you right now this morning, if you took this message to heart and listened to what was said, you just increased your capacity. How many feel, uh, feel more energized now with their faith to believe God for finances? How many feel more faith now to believe God for spiritual growth? And that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's increased capacity. A person who is strong has a great, greater muscular capacity than somebody who is weak. Correct? Praise the Lord. So, so basically, so the, the joy of the Lord.